This week's one-off, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Season 2, Episode 22, The Chopper. So, do you have any memorable uh, field trips from high school? High school or just well, school school? I, I guess school in general. I, I When I think of school, I think high school, which I guess that's, I don't know, it just shows how old I am now. And just how much you hate kids. <laughs> Wow, like just throwing it down. Like, did they even have field trips in the rough and tumble world of the Vancouver educational system? Yeah, they did. But I mean, the most memorable one was like going to the longhouse where we'd go spend a night in a longhouse, like this a big First Nations cabin type thing and like eat bannock and experience the world the First Nations people lived in. But I remember getting like super homesick Aww. and so i pretended i pretended i was sick and like cried and then they took me home at like two in the morning or something like that so i didn't really enjoy that one but it was the most memorable <laughs> well, but that's a lovely little story oh that you would yeah. you would lose your rough edge if you told that story more i know i know my rough edge that i have is as an improviser so rough sounding <laughs> Uh, I think that's really the only memorable one I have. I can't even think about the field trips right now that we went on. I'm sure we did. Like, I, I think I have more memories of doing like Cub Scout things outside of school than I do of actual school field trips. But well, you, I assume you have one because you've brought this up. Well, I did up until you said Cub Scouts, and I realized my memorable field trip is actually a Cub Scout trip to Science World. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's not that's not a school trip. Yeah. <laughs> but we we went as Cub Scouts, uh, uh, like all the Cub Scouts in the BC area, met in Vancouver. So we uh, we took the ferry over and we slept overnight in Science World, and and it was a blast. Cool, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, because you know we I I don't recall getting homesick, but you get to sleep amidst all these kind of cool sciencey things and and see the Science World when it's shut off. So. Yeah, that's that's my rough and tumble experience of, of field trips. Yeah, I mean, we did like outdoor school or whatever, where you go away for a few days and live in cabins or something. Uh, and we did, maybe that's it. Maybe it's always, <laughs> oh, well, actually, you know what? Uh, I guess in like the seventh grade, I did a, a Quebec trip with oh. my class because I, I was in French immersion. So we went to Quebec for a week. And that was pretty fun. That, that is exciting. very exciting. But I don't know if that's like, that's not like a field trip, like... I, yeah. It's like that's that's an epic field trip. It's not like a we're gonna go look at a museum today or go see the, the aquarium. aquarium. <laughs> you know, uh, I think I've taken more kids on field trips than I've gone on field trips. That's true. As an educator now, you're you're more involved in in school and and being a lazy educator, field trips are are superior to actually teaching. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and I worked for, uh, when I was in my first jobs at a high school, I was working at a rec center. I was teaching drama and improv. Mm -hmm. And then they needed someone over the summer to take kids on field trips, basically. So I basically got paid to take a group of like, I don't know, 12 kids, depending on the day, to the aquarium or down to like some other park or take them to play baseball. Like whatever. all I did all summer was like play games with kids. Okay, well, that's... You would, you, you would have hated it. I mean, I love kids. What are you talking about? I have a great relationship with the kids. <laughs> the kids. <laughs> I feel like Steve Buscemi in that community episode. Which one? The one where he's trying to be 
where he's trying to be a high school kid. In the community episode? Yeah. Steve Buscemi? I think that's a thing. What season is this in? Oh, man, I don't know. See, it's one of the later bad seasons, but... All right, man, I'll give it to you. I, I haven't watched some of the later bad seasons, but I don't think Steve Buscemi has ever made an appearance in Community. But I'm wrong. I'm clearly wrong. I'm clearly well, wrong. I mean, or alternatively, I'm wrong. Like, these are these are the two possibilities here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to ask about uh, uh, cop shows. Yeah. Like, are you a, are you a cop show fan? I wouldn't... I wouldn't have called myself a cop show fan, but I really like the genre, if that makes yeah, sense. Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. think, I, I think it's hard to be a fan of a particular cop show because they get tired very quickly. But I, I think the genre uh, is, I think the genre is a lot of fun. They get tired quickly. Well, it's, they, they start off with a really solid routine, but there's only really so many cases that they can do. Mm-hmm. And so either they have to break out of the mold and do something completely different than the genre requires, um, or they have to kind of just find new hooks on the same old cases. And yeah, I mean, it's very similar to a sitcom in that way, right? Where where a sitcom also gets tired as it goes on because the the way that the the genre is meant to just be repetitive. Yeah, totally. And watched week to week, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it, it's hard to binge watch. I'm, I, I can't even imagine binge watching something like Law & Order. That would, my mind would just explode just because you would be watching the same thing over and over again. With a, with a different blank. Yeah. A different case, yeah. that's that's like It's like uh, magic tricks are similar. Where, like, uh, every magic trick is uh, you pick a card and then I find your card for you. But... Uh, magicians dress it up and do all this fancy stuff to to make it seem like it's not just you picking a card and then me finding it for you. Because <laughs> uh, that trick over and over again gets really boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or maybe there's like, I don't know, I think someone said there's like nine card tricks that you could ever do. Not Maybe not even that many. Uh, yeah. I find your card, your card switches places with another card, your card disappears, your card, you know, whatever. Yeah, so I, I see what you're saying. I'm I'm a I'm a cop show fan, but I, you know what? Actually, I don't even know if it's cop show as much as it is like mystery show thing. Okay. Where like I'm a huge fan of like there's a mystery we have to solve it. Like Doctor Quinn, Medicine Woman. Uh, you know, I never watched Doctor Quinn, huh. so I, I couldn't say yay or nay to that. But I would probably say yes if there's a mystery and you have to solve it. I'm in. Like Murder She Wrote, loved it. Right. Matt, even Matlock as a kid growing up, fun show. There's a mystery we have to solve it, even though he's like an old retired lawyer. And I'm realizing, Doctor Quinn, Medicine Woman. I meant, I meant exactly what you just said. Matlock? No, nope, the one before that. <laughs> I'm really firing on all cylinders today. <laughs> what was the other example you just used? Murder she wrote. Uh, murder she wrote. <laughs> I'm just gonna start that sentence again. <laughs> But yeah, Murder She Wrote is is a fun fun show to watch, or the more modern version Castle, also a fun show to watch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it's it's fun watching people try and solve a mystery, and uh, I see what you say that it's like it gets pretty repetitive, and they pull out all the different tricks to do that. But what's neat is to what would make what keeps me watching those kinds of shows and enjoying those kinds of shows is when you're like when you're like, ooh, I wonder who did do it. Yeah. The, this time, who did it this time? Uh, and it's always a different person obviously with different details with different this but it's always it's a case we're, we're going to solve it 
Yeah, and I think that it's that's a, a format that's particularly well suited to the weekly TV show in in that era because from week to week you're fine watching Arch not Archer yeah uh, watching Castle and and going oh I wonder who did it this week instead of having you know six or seven episodes in a row and going oh I wonder who did it again now because I don't know time to breathe is really important for those shows. Yeah, I see. I see the theory there, but I do watch Castle episodes multiple in a row. Well, yeah, I, yeah, because it, it's 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 like playing you know multiple games uh, of a board game in a row. You know, like you play a board game, you finish it, you play it again, you finish it, you play it again, you finish it. Uh, it's the same kind of thing because it's like, oh, I wonder who did do it. Well, I think it's this person, and you're always kind of guessing who did it, and you change who you think it is all the way through, and then at the end they tell you, and you go like, what? No way, that shouldn't have been who it is, and then you repeat that again right away. Right, and it's 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 fun for me. It's fun. I enjoy the I enjoy the the mental exercise of watching a, a mystery show, or in this case, a detective show. So, Clue is obviously your favorite board game. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> it's like the best game ever made. <laughs> oh, Cluedo. or or as we call it, Cluedo. As we call it, Cluedo. Yeah, in Europe. <laughs> here, here in Europe. Yep. Yeah, because I'm in Europe. I'm in Europe. Well, I'm definitely not on on uh, on the North American continent. So this was uh, so this is one of those intersection shows between a sitcom and the procedural cop show. Yeah, it has a double genre to it, which I thought was kind of neat because I, I don't know. Have you ever watched any of the show before? Yeah, I've I've seen every episode of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, see, I haven't. I've only heard every episode of Brooklyn Nine Nine because Missy watches it all the time. Right. While I'm walking, while I'm not watching. Uh, so I'm familiar with the. I, I so I'm familiar with the actors, but not the characters. Right. Because mm-hmm. I, I I've seen glimpses of it, so I know who's in it and I know what they all sound like, but I don't really know their characters. Yeah. Yeah. And as one of those double genre shows, uh, it it would be easy for it to be one or the other. But as this episode kind of showed, you know, it it did both. It it is both a crime procedural weekly, you know, find the villain. But it also really is one hundred percent a sitcom as well. Yeah, and you know, I was it was the the like uh, what I what I was thinking was I want I wanted to know what all the other episodes are like. Yeah, because to me, watching it, I was like the mystery element of who did the crime. I wasn't playing that game while watching it because it clearly what well, didn't really matter. Yeah. Right. The, the, that wasn't the actual story. The story was actually him wanting to get a chopper and him wanting to get back at uh, the winch woman. Mad- Madeline Wunch. Yeah. Yeah. Or the suspicion of her and her motives and all that kind of thing. And so like it was more about that story than it was about the actual mystery. It was just kind of the backdrop, which is, I guess, what sitcoms do is like the, the premise is the backdrop for the comedy. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what it is in this show. And so it it could be anything, which is what makes it a sitcom, right? Mm-hmm. It isn't really a procedural cop show. Um, like, there was only a little, a brief period in the episode where you're like, was it this person or was it this person, you know? And and that's, yeah. that's even kind of rare for Brooklyn Nine-Nine, where it's... It's usually more straightforward. They're still solving a case, but they're not they're not doing it in that procedural cop sort of I don't know I don't know who was the bad guy this episode way. Yeah. Yeah. It was more like we gotta 
awesome case. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Which, <laughs> yeah. you know, really shows how, like, the character of Jake Peralta, he is, he wants to be a diehard cop. He wants, he wants that world. And so it's always about finding just the fun cases as opposed to the, the rough and gritty procedural world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny actually because because <clears throat> the sitcom uh, it has the pre-show has the pre-show stinger mm-hmm. uh, or whatever you call it. I, I call it the the is it the stinger? Uh, cold open is the term that I I, That's, I know. Thank you. I knew I knew there was a proper term for it. I just couldn't find it. The cold open. That uh, as soon as it started, I was like, oh man, we're going to be talking about cell phones a lot in this uh, one-off episode. So many cell phone references and bits and all this kind of thing. <laughs> and then the cold open ended, and I was like, oh yeah, it's a cold open. <laughs> It has nothing to do with the rest of the show. <laughs> well, and, and that's one of the great things about it, right? Because the cold open in a lot of television isn't a cold open in that it's directly connected to the the rest of the episode and is usually uh, an important part of it now to the point where some TV shows, like something like The Good Wife, the cold open is the first 15 minutes of the show before they show mm-hmm. the uh, the splash screen. Um, whereas here, the cold open really is just unrelated to the plot of the episode. Yeah, it's a, it's a sitcom cold open, yeah. Yeah. It's not just the first scene of the television show before the credits. Yeah. Like the hint, the, the the thing that grabs you to keep you watching. It's just a funny joke. Uh, and I totally forgot that that was coming. And I was like, oh, it's going to be a cell phone-inspired episode. And <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I realized, oh, wait, no, I'm totally wrong. I felt kind of dumb. <laughs> you're not dumb you just know what you're watching but what was funny was the so the um that we're talking about the double genre thing and like Mm -hmm. the cold open totally could have been in any other show Mm -hmm. period any other sitcom could have had that exact same cold open of someone not looking at from their phone and then trying to get their her attention uh and then someone texts texts her to get her to look up like that was like a or or, sent, or updates their status or whatever mm-hmm. to get her look up. That was like a it could have been in any sitcom. Yeah, uh, and had nothing to do with cop shows, which is where I was. Which is what kind of hints me towards this idea that this isn't really a cop show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seems like the cop show is the backdrop for the the comedy show. Yeah, well, and and that's evident by you know every single one of the characters, right? Like no one in the character is straight out of a cop show. They are first and foremost sitcom characters, but they they acknowledge their their sitcominess, you know. Um, but it, it's one of the things that I actually really like about this show is that, yes, they're sitcom characters, so we're supposed to laugh at them, but they're also cops and they do their jobs and, you know, they seem competent at it, which is often one of those things that's hard to believe in a lot of sitcoms that the characters could actually be doing the job that they set mm, out to do yeah and actually no, i thought that too because like uh so you you're familiar i assume with the eight characters of comedy at least a little bit yeah the like uh the dumb one the the womanizer the neurotic one the mean one the so on and so forth the logical one yeah and so i was watching the show and of course those are always in the back of my head now when i watch sitcoms and so i'm I'm placing them everywhere. Mm-hmm. And what I found so fun, or so such a good choice they made, is that the dumb gun, the dumb one, the best friend, like the buddy, mm-hmm. who always laughs and takes selfies of himself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the dumb one, he's also a good cop. Mm-hmm. And when they actually like go in to do the bust, he's like got his gun held right, and he's like looking around, he's doing all the right cop stuff. And the dumbness doesn't transfer into the job. 
because that because if you if that if it does it ruins the whole show right so because uh, now he can't be a cop so they they make him dumb but he's still a good cop and I, I appreciate that about all of them like the even the neurotic one or the the mean the, the neurotic girl the smart magnet school girl mm-hmm. she's a, she's a good cop yeah even though she's neurotic and the, the tough one is also a good or the mean one's also a good cop and yeah and the logical captain is a good cop and they're all good cops which was fantastic and one of the important things about this show is that they their job is their life and and not in the sense that they don't have lives outside of it but one of the one of the struggles that i have with sitcoms is you're often watching people so disconnected from the real world like friends is a perfect example uh, or even something like big bang theory they're so often rooted in a living room or a coffee shop or <laughs> something like that and their entire life seems to revolve around being disconnected from the work Mm -hmm. and the world that they live in and it's not that i need a sitcom to be particularly believable but it seems to be that brooklyn 99 works so well because it's trying to treat these people who are ridiculous and silly as human beings who have jobs and lives yeah it's a workplace sitcom yeah yeah not unlike you know I I could probably name what some of the characters on Friends do for a living, but you know, like I you don't see that as part of their lives. Yeah, it doesn't make too much of a difference in their in in this. It's not part of the sitcom. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Like like Chandler could work in any office, and Monica, I think she's a cook or a chef by the end of it. By the end of it, yeah, yeah, and and you can see like it their jobs become threads for the characters and plot lines for them in something like friends mm-hmm. but most of their life is being friends right which makes sense for what that sitcom is but i think what what i like so much about brooklyn 99 is that we have this office place that they that they live in and that this is their life it remind it's very much like the office actually in that way where you don't have to suspend some version of disbelief in order to watch their their lives unfold. Yeah, actually, you no. Know, something I was trying I was trying to figure out was the main cop. What's his name? Jake Peralta. Peralta. What character of comedy was he? Yeah. Because I was trying to because because my because normally like if you're following a protagonist in a sitcom, they'd be like the lovable loser character or something like that, some version of that. But he's definitely not a lovable loser. And so the only thing I come up with is I think he's the in his own universe one. Yep. Where he's living in a, a action movie and everyone else is actual cops. Which which is neat to see a sitcom led by a character that is in their own universe. And it still works fine. I think Jake, and, and this isn't the best episode for it, but I think he lives in both the in his own universe character but also from time to time the kind of lovable loser where it just happens that his schemes work out and i know that it's pretty important for for the for the lovable loser like that they're never very good at it yeah but like he always has these these great ideas and it it just that end point is what what changes him from the lovable loser but yeah he does live in his own universe 100% where being a cool cool diehard like cop is is how he imagines himself and his team yeah and it's 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 really fun and it makes the show it kind of gives the show that that's the whole angle of the show is that cops are awesome but actually cops are real but no i'm gonna act like they're awesome (laughs) 
he yeah, he plays us. He plays us. Just wanting cops to do cool things and flying choppers and jump out with two machine guns and a knife in their mouth. And catch catch awesome bad guys and catch them in awesome ways, you know. Yeah, and I think one of the things that makes a cop show a good sitcom is that it uh, cop shows by na- their nature have such wonderful mechanisms for exposition. You can have the pr- the briefing mm-hmm. where someone's standing in front of the rest of the cops telling them all of the exposition. You can have uh, a, like an interview scene where someone's sitting down across from someone and they're giving them all the exposition <laughs> of what they what happened. Uh, and so like built into cop shows are these wonderful exposition things. And so for a sitcom to be able to open with just like, here's the exposition, everybody, and just get it out of the way with a few jokes in there, and then they can move on to the show. I think it works perfectly for a 22-minute sitcom. Yeah, I, I mean, the these are tight little 22-minute episodes, and and they're following a very tight little thread through them. But they also have, you know, two or three different stories going on really effectively. And I think mm-hmm. that you're right, the structure, with, with that structure, they can... They can be a little bit looser with the the other elements because the the base structure of a cop show gives them so much freedom. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was cool. It was neat to see the cop show come in really handy for a sitcom. Whereas there's nothing equivalent to that in in something like Cheers, right? Like there's Cheers. The episode is the episode, and it's bound by the structure like every every scene has to be structured so well independently of a meta structure in that way yeah there isn't like a every every episode has a case that they have to solve it's like no every episode they're in the bar and someone has to do something it reminds me a little bit of Frasier, actually, where Frasier uses uh, either uses a book ending of him on his radio show to kind of give the moral of that week's episode Mm-hmm. And so it's not directly structuring the plot, but it's allowing you to know what the morality play of each episode of Frasier is going to be about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just couldn't yeah, let no, us that's... talk about sitcoms without a dope Frasier reference. Uh, you say dope, I say dope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what my favorite line in this episode was? Your favorite line in this episode. That's a good question. I don't know. Uh, from now on, call me Velvet Thunder. Yep, you totally nailed it. That's exactly what it was. But you know what? It wasn't, it's not even the whole line. It's just Velvet Thunder. <laughs> I know. It's such a great, awesome, and and the more that you get to know the character of the captain, the better that line becomes. But it is such a solid code sign. Yeah, call, call sign. Call sign. Uh, um, that was such a beautiful moment. I think that was like, so I watched it by myself. Mm-hmm. Which means I don't laugh out loud too much when I watch things by myself. I just sort of, that was funny, you know, yeah. think, hmm, that was neat. Oh, interesting. I might have laughed out loud if there was someone to hear me laughing. <laughs> you know, one of those those kind of laughs. Yeah. But when he said Velvet Thunder, I, I laughed. Yeah. I actually, audibly, I snickered aloud. It was so, so funny. And I love the, I, I, I love, I think nicknames are awesome. I don't know if you know this about me. But I like nicknames. I give people nicknames. I I enjoy having different names for everybody and everyone having different names for everybody so that we all have special names for each other. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, ritual of bonding, you know? Yeah. Not to be confused with bonding ritual. <laughs> or, or bondage. Bo- or bondage. Yeah. <laughs> or bondage ritual. <laughs> but uh, it's... Uh, 
Uh, it's, it's great. So when they're playing the when they're doing the call sign game uh, in the middle there when they're in the chopper, uh, I thought that was uh, fantastic. And then when he became Velvet Thunder, all I could think of was like, he's now become a superhero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like the the beat where he has taken on a new name and he is like the apotheosis is complete and he is transformed into this godlike thing. Uh, it was so awesome. And the Velvet Thunder was possibly the greatest nickname ever. Well, and it's so so great for him to go from wet blanket to really embracing Velvet, Velvet Thunder. Yeah. And he enunciated it so well. From now on, call me Velvet Thunder. <laughs> Velvet Thunder. Oh, so good. He he's a great straight man on the show too, and so you you have a lot of fun just having him li- live in the real world next to Jake's ridiculous world. Yeah, because that guy's just an actor, right? He is, but it turns out he was an inspired choice for the show. Mm. Like he 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 brings uh, something to it that I think very few sitcoms have. Because so few actors act like a true actor. I don't know. A lot of them would would go. Oh yeah, no, I'd love to do a weekly sitcom with a bunch of people making making dick jokes from week to week. Yeah, but mm-hmm. but he he is a lot of fun on the show. So uh, well, I I know that you have throughout your life had a few few different nicknames from different things you've done. Is there something that sticks out for you as a cool nickname code name that you've gone by, or that you wish you could have gone by? Uh, cool nickname. Well, I mean, like one of the things, I, I, I mean, I know I not I did I don't think I meet you, met you as this, but uh, for a long time you were sweet, sweet Dave Morris. Yeah, sweet, yeah. sweet, sweet. Um, and that's kind of it's a nickname, sweet, sweet. Yeah, it was one that stuck for a very long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I'm bittersweet Dave Morris. Oh, because you're old. Yeah, and soon I'm going to be sweet and sour Dave Morris. <laughs> And then Szechuan Dave Morris. <laughs> and then it just slowly turns into food references. <laughs> and then it's all, all over. No, yeah, Sweet Sweet Dave Morris was the one that, that stuck the longest. But I've also I've been called so many different names like Mosif, Mocox, Mama. I think I was Switchblade once. Switchblade's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, we, had, we all had nicknames based on weapons. <laughs> So I was switchblade, and then my friend, my friends were like, you know, bazooka and Uzi and things like that. Yeah, I mean, you you only really go by Stevo. Yeah, which isn't really a nickname anymore. It's just your name. It's just my name. <laughs> yeah. But did you ever have any other nicknames? I can't think of anything anyone's ever called you. Nicknames, not really. I mean, part of part of the the weirdness is growing up in the age of both role playing games and then online games where. I definitely had uh, aliases that I went by online, and some of that oh, bled out into the real world in different ways. But uh, mm-hmm. it, but for the most part, never. Yeah, no, I'm. Yeah, I huh. I am the logical one with regards to nicknames. Yeah, I mean, they did break one of the biggest nickname rules in this show. What What are nickname? What are the nickname rules? You can't give yourself a nickname. Mm, well, to be fair, if Jake doesn't give himself a nickname, who is going to give him one? Hey, oh, uh, 
<laughs> but yeah, like the the the, the it's, it's a it's everyone knows you don't give yourself a nickname. Someone else gives you a nickname. I guess they were talking about call signs, so maybe that's different. But still, I don't think you get to choose your own call sign. I mean, I I think it's I think it's okay if your call sign is going to be Velvet Thunder. I think that's true. I don't think someone else can give you Velvet Thunder. You have to take it for yourself. Yeah. Mm. And it and it's your transformation. You know. No one gives you Velvet Thunder. You become Velvet Thunder. <laughs> yeah. So, are you? Do you think this is a show you're going to keep watching? Uh, probably not. <laughs> no, probably not. Uh, I mean, Missy watches it all the time, so I'll be I'll be watching it in the background. But uh, I don't think it's going to replace my uh, my my other shows that I like to watch over and over again, like The West Wing. Like The West Wing or Castle. Yeah, although I haven't watched Castle that much anymore because the West Wing has just taken over. Well, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, the the thing for me is that I have trouble with a sort of binge watch of something like Brooklyn Nine-Nine or generally sitcoms. They're they're too much like popcorn for me, and you, you have too much popcorn, and you're like, oh, no, I'm done with popcorn. I want, I want something, you know, with some substance to it. And so I go back mm. to the West Wing, yeah. inevitably. Yeah, and I, I could see Brooklyn Nine-Nine being something people like to just have on while they're doing something else, you know, because it's kind of like nice and funny and relaxing and cool and whatever, but not demanding in any way. Yeah. Uh, so I could see it as like a let's put this on like before we go to bed kind of thing. But that's what the West Wing is. Yeah. Well, I mean, why why not just be inspired by the the workings of a liberal democracy? Yeah, yeah. Especially in the current uh, American political climate, it's nice to just fall asleep to the West Wing. <laughs> which is exactly what purpose it served in the early 2000s as well, which, mm-hmm. oh, what a fond world that was. Yeah, I should tell Netflix that I'm not watching it as much because I'm watching the West Wing, and then maybe they'll bring the West Wing back. I would love for them to bring it back. <laughs> Called the Wester Wing. I don't, okay, no, you know what? I take it back. After you called it the Western Wing, I never wanted to come back ever again. Okay, all right, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, well, any last uh, thoughts? Um, Bing Pot. No, I, I, don't, I don't have anything uh, left to say. Bing Pot. Next one-off, The Sopranos, Season 3, Episode 11. Pine Barons. It's hard to say Barons without like sounding like the Baron Harkonnen. Pine Baron Harkonnens. <laughs> <laughs> Just say it. Just say Pine Baron Harkonnens. It's cool. <laughs>